Well, welcome to ex- episode six of Let's Ask an Expert, a show where a novice host asks expert guests above average questions. I am your host, Andrew Smith, and thank you for listening wherever you may be. If you'd like to follow the show on social media, and I encourage you to do that, of course, you may do so on Facebook by searching Let's Ask an Expert, on Twitter at Ask an Expert Show, and on Instagram at, at Let's Ask an Expert. And if you missed any of the previous five episodes uh, of this show, fear not, you can listen to any of them in all episodes of Let's Ask an Expert on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever expert podcasts can be found. Now, it is not in my nature to speak in hyperbole on this show. Perhaps I have done it. Um, I, I don't know right off the top of my head. It's probably happened. But I don't think it would be a stretch to say that today's episode will be the best sounding episode to date. And it's not because any of my previous five guests have been, you know, I guess lackluster by any means, right? They haven't. They've been fantastic, in fact. But when my guest for this episode begins speaking, you will completely understand why I'm introducing him this way. So with that said, my guest at this time is an expert in sports broadcasting. He has more than 30 years of experience on his resume, and he has been the voice of the Wright State Raiders from nearby Dayton, Ohio. Since 1997, he has also worked at several different radio stations around the state of Ohio in North Carolina as well. Please welcome to the show Chris Collins. Chris, welcome. Andrew, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. How was that intro? <laughs> I think it was justice. I'm telling you, you put a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, tell our audience, because we were just talking about this, I guess, quote unquote, off air. Yeah. Um, tell our audience where you are from originally and where you currently reside. Okay. Um, I'll just start out. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I was about 18 months old. Our family moved to Salina and Coldwater. We lived there for about oh, a year and a half, and then we moved to uh, what is now is Huber Heights. Uh, it was Wayne Township at the time, and uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. So I started my school in kindergarten, went all the way through my senior year in high school in the what's now Huber Heights School District, and uh, you know then moved on. And uh, I moved to a couple of places, uh, you know, in between that time. Once I left and got into uh, the radio business, I've been in uh, uh, three stations in Ohio. Moved to North Carolina. And uh, now back in Ohio. And like you said, I've been at uh, WHIO for 10 years. And before that, for 15 years, I was on the mornings on uh, Mix 1077. And then also calling Wright State basketball games. I just finished my 23rd year. And uh, currently, uh, I I reside with my wife and my mother-in-law here in Union. Uh, We lived in Huber Heights for many, many years. But we've been in Union now uh, near uh, near Clayton and also Englewood for the last three years. And you are the owner of a large... Uh, boisterous <laughs> dog in the background. It appears, right? You can hear him, could you? Yeah, it's a it's a three year old Labradoodle. Yeah, <laughs> that is quite the bark. Um, He's upstairs, so he uh, he can yeah he can resonate. <laughs> so a lot of great voices on this show today. Before we begin, of course, in tradition, in keeping with, uh, let's ask an expert. I invite all my guests on this show to have a beverage with me. And people have asked, well, it's like, you know, how do you really know that they're they're doing it? I, I don't know that. There's no video element to this yet, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's a nice gesture. And so it can be alcoholic. It can be non-alcoholic, tea, juice, coffee, water, whatever you want. Uh, Chris, what did you decide to go with today? 
Well, I think I'm going to go with a nice tall glass of ice water. Okay. Sounds good. I went with the same. Uh, Kroger purified drinking water. <laughs> very fresh, very uh, very cold. And um, yeah, I'm ready to go. So let's, let's start with this. In a lot of interviews, um, when someone is interviewing a person, a known broadcasting personality, often, you know, it's kind of, we begin with where you started your broadcasting career. And it's not as if I do not care about that because I do, but we'll get into some of that later. But what I want to know is when did you know that you had the voice of God? Because you do. I mean, even if you will not admit it, you, you, you have this great voice because a lot of people tell me I have a great voice for, for radio or broadcasting, podcasting, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I never really liked the, the sound of my own voice or, you know, we thought that like it, it could be as good as, as someone like yours. So when did you realize you had this kind of golden radio voice? Cause that's how I've been like word of mouth selling this episode to people prior to its release. It's like, you gotta look, you gotta hear this guy. <laughs> Andrew, that's an interesting question because uh, I'll be honest with you. When I was younger, uh, growing up, even through high school, I was very shy. And, uh, you know, I didn't say much, didn't talk much. And I didn't really think much of it because I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. You know, I played baseball at Wayne High School and I thought maybe I had a chance, you know, to move on there just like everybody else in their dream. But, you know, eventually that didn't work out. And uh, actually, uh, once I graduated from high school, I started working for McDonald's up in Huber Heights. It was one of my part-time jobs as I was going to school. And uh, we, at the time we were working there, they, they put, it's one of the first drive-throughs that they put in, in that, that shows you how old I am. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, for the McDonald's here in the Dayton region. Well, make a long story short, uh, I started talking into the microphone and people would say through there, well, who is that talking on the microphone taking my order? So, you know, like you said, when you listen to yourself, you don't really like what you hear. But I started getting feedback from people and they said, you know, I had a pleasant voice. And then also during that time, somebody asked me to do PA at a Pee Wee football game in Huber Heights at the time. So then I started to get an itch for that. I ended up going to a broadcast school and I started my first radio job in 1979 in Kenton, Ohio. And uh, it was a real eye opener because I was a disc jockey at night. And then uh, also I, I really went there because they offered me to do uh football games and basketball games there in the county. Uh, the news director did the uh, Kenton, Ohio games. I had to do the county games. And what was interesting, they never they don't do this anymore. Uh, we had to record these games on a cassette, on a cassette recorder. So the first half, I would do the game by myself at the county school out in the cornfields, basically. And we would have a salesperson come pick up that cassette, bring it back to the station. And then uh, they would play the first half as I was driving back after the game ended to give them the second cassette to, for the remainder of the game. So that was, that's, that's been a long time ago. That was back in 1979, and I've been at a few stations since then. So, you know, I've always tried to improve that. You know, I've learned a lot uh, as I made my way through to different stations, and I learned a lot when I worked uh, down in North Carolina and then came back to Dayton. Have, have you... Well, okay, so there, there's a couple of things to unpack there. Number one, I think that those McDonald's orders would be the best sounding <laughs> orders from the if you did the if you if you did the confirmation part, like just so I have this straight, because you didn't always have 
the board <laughs> that's that digitally shows like this is everything that they ordered. So it's not necessary <laughs> to repeat it, right? Yeah, but yeah. You have to read it back, and it's like that. That had to be very a very pleasant twenty seconds of sitting in the car. It's like I really enjoyed that actually. I wanna... Oh yeah, people would give me a hard time about that. They would kind of make fun of me a little bit because I say, "Hi, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please?" You know, and uh, people would just kind of make fun of me back there. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. You know, we, we had to write it down. We also, at the same time, were learning these new uh, computerized um, uh, registers. You know, I mean, they're very archaic when you think about what we use today with the screens and all that. But you could actually look at it and a little red dot would be on whatever item it is they own or they, they ordered. So we mm -hmm. were able to, you know, you know, read it back correctly to them. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Have you ever done anything else outside of... Uh um, you know, radio sports broadcasting, um, and your, you know, your work at local radio stations in the sense of news or sports for which people thought your voice was a perfect fit, like voice over work. Have you ever done anything like that? Cause I can imagine you in a role, uh, you know, as like a, a certain cartoon character. And, and I would say, you know, if there's ever going to be a made for TV movie about my life, there probably won't be. I want you for that for that narration role. I don't want Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I want you for that. <laughs> oh, you know it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I've done all the work in radio, disc jockey news, all those type things. Uh, but there was a time when I was working at Mix One Hundred Seven Seven. The production director uh, put together these commercials, and I don't know if you guys remember here in the area, it was for um, uh, the local uh, government here. It was uh, you know about uh, clean air. All right, and he created a character called the Smogonator. Okay. And I had to do the smogonator voice, you know, clean air, you know, that kind of thing, like over the top type of type of thing, you know, and I had a lot of fun with that, to be honest with you. I really enjoyed that. And that led to doing a lot of uh, industrial reads and a lot of other commercials too, you know, which was very beneficial because, you know, it was extra income for me at the time, you know, with a small, with a young family at that time. And, you know, it really opened a lot of doors for me, you know, and I really enjoyed doing uh, those other things. And, you know, I've never really pursued it as much as I think I could. And maybe I still have that opportunity. I don't know. Uh, but the business has really changed. But uh, I do have that opportunity to do those things. And I really enjoyed them. Have you, in kind of a similar question, have you ever done any kind of voice training? I mean, you, you know, so you're, you're given this, this very great natural voice, of course, but in, in kind of crafting that uh, did you did you ever i don't know intonation um tempo any of that kind of stuff cadence with your voice anything that you learned uh did you ever do anything like that through your training through your previous jobs anything andrew yeah i think we all you know strive to learn while we're on the job and try to get better and i've worked with some program directors who have been very helpful but, you know, one thing that it, it helped me a lot is just listening, you know, listening to other people, you know, and listening to all the great voices that there have been over the years. And also something that helped me, I had young children at the time when I started out and I would read, you know, children's books. You know, they were very simple, noun, verb, noun, verb, you know, and that was about it. And I would emphasize those as I would read them out loud to my kids. And I think that really helped me an awful lot as far as inflection is concerned. You know, and just watching, like I said, and watching some of the great uh, broadcasters and how they broadcast a game. And and I, I like many people, have had mentors uh, throughout uh, my career. And, uh, you know, one of those uh, controversial figure, but he was an outstanding hockey 
hockey announcer. And also he was a news person in Dayton. And I got to know him well during the 90s because I was his producer for his uh, sports show on WONE. His name was Lyle Steve. Uh, Lyle, Lyle taught me a lot. Uh, I stayed in touch with him uh, for, you know, even after he left and, uh, and left uh, town for a while. Excuse me, the dog's barking in the background. <laughs> That's not Lyle. Uh, but he helped me an awful lot. You know, and uh, there was my instructor in school. Uh, his name was Jim Pinnell. Uh, he really helped me. He would always get on me all the time. Uh, I hope that's not overtaking what we're talking about right now. Because I can hear my dog. My wife's trying to take care of him. I'm sorry. No, no, it's totally fine. Okay. And um, he helped me out, uh, you know, an awful lot. And uh, between those two uh, and a few others, uh, they've been very helpful. And I can, and, and, and for me, like we said earlier, when we got started, it's very difficult to listen to myself back because it's not what I want. You know, it's not the sound that I think I should be. But after a while, I've gotten used to it, and I would play my tapes back. I even do it today. You know, when I watch our games that we do, we simulcast uh, for Wright State. I watch the games that we run on ESPN Plus, and they're also on the radio at the same time. We simulcast those. So I listen to those back and watch those back, you know, just to try to get a little bit better because I'm not at the point exactly where I want to be at, but I really enjoy what I do, and, and I'm very, very uh, very blessed to be able to have that opportunity. Well, that's interesting. You say that you're not, uh, it's not quite what you, what you, do you know what, it's not what you'd want. Do you know what that sounds like or what that looks like to I you? Think, or is it just this ever moving barometer of success that's just kind of pushing you to be better? I think so. I think anybody who enjoys what they do, you know, wants to get better. You're never satisfied. And, you know, something I continue to work on is there are times because, I told you early in life, I was a very shy individual. I'll start, I'll start talking a little faster than I should. Okay. I think, you know, my pace, I, I always try to work on my pace. You know, I try not to be overbearing. The one thing I learned from Lyle that he told me, he said, the, as you as the announcer are supposed to paint the picture and tell everybody what's going on, not what you think. All right. He says, you tell them what's going on. He says, there are times to get excited. Sometimes announcers get too excited. All right. And I'll admit early in my career, I think I did. And that's something I've learned along the way, because if you get excited on every play, it's going to be like the boy that cried wolf. You know, everybody's going to say, oh, what's he doing? You know, so but if you get excited in an, at a crucial uh, time during the game, that really adds up to it. I mean, that really adds a lot to it, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what I try to work on the most, you know, and also incorporating who I'm working with at the time. And I've worked with a lot of different uh, this is with Wright State I'm talking about. I work with a lot of different color announcers. So you have to kind of like get them into it and get them into the flow of the game. You know, that's always a challenge too, but it's something I've learned, you know, along the way. And I've had a lot of great people I've worked with. Have there, in in, in keeping with this point, uh, have there been any broadcasters, be them former colleagues or uh, famous broadcasters that you, you listened to when you were younger did you idolize in any way that you kind of borrowed uh, little things that they do when they call games or how they describe action that you kind of then crafted into your own thing? Well, when I first got interested when I was about, you know, in sports, okay, because I, I told you how I got started with, you know, trying to, you know, work into radio and, you know, doing a little TV on the side. Um, was, you know, I was young, Little League Baseball, like anybody else. I'm 10 or 11 years old, but I used to watch this young broadcaster who later became very famous. And 
was in a hall of fame later on who did this sports show. It was a sports, it's called sports challenge. It was a trivia show. His name is Dick Enberg. <laughs> okay. And Dick Enberg, I thought was the consummate professional. You know, there were a lot of great uh, sports announcers at the time. I mean, a lot. Jack Buck, you know, comes to mind. Ray Scott, when I was a kid growing up. And you see, you've seen them all. Al Michaels, you know, through the years, he was with the Reds. I'm a big Reds fan. Marty Brennan, of course. I mean, he's an icon and he's one of the best ever. But uh, for me, you know, early on in my career, you know, I, I, I tried to pattern myself, you know, to what Dick Enberg would do. He was such a professional. He was always prepared, you know, and he knew when to get excited and he, and he knew when not to get excited. And he didn't interject his opinion as much until he got, I think, at least from what I saw, you know, later on, you know, in his career when he's allowed to, you know, in my, in my opinion, is he get, but he never let the, uh, himself be bigger than the game. And, you know, that's something that I tried to pride myself on. I remember, uh, bringing up Dick Enberg. Uh, I remember him from mid nineties, yeah. uh, NBC NFL games. Yeah. Um, I think I want to say the NBC had the AFC. Yes. So I remember watching cause I was in, I lived in Nebraska for, uh, about nine years. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so we get a lot, of, we get a lot of chiefs. We get a lot of Packers, uh, some Rams, but I don't think they were, the, that, that was before the greatest show on turf. So they were still kind of <laughs> terrible Broncos, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it's kind of like this, a bit of a melting pot of Midwest football, right. a little bit outside of the course, uh, Cornhusker Saturdays, but um, but yeah, that's what I remember him, uh, from the most. And yeah, I, I remember him, I think almost specifically of, uh, the Jim Harbaugh Colts team that, uh, nearly got to the Super Bowl in 1996 yeah. and him calling those games and just this palpable excitement that's emanating through the screen. Yeah. And that get that really, that's, that's when it's like, they're getting you excited by it because they're excited about what's going on. And it's like, they're right there watching and describing what you're seeing happening and it's i think that's that's when it's at its peak of announcing you can make that kind of connection with your audience absolutely i totally agree with you 100 percent. you know and that's something you know i even continue you know to work on and you know it makes it a challenge you know right now is the fact that you know you know the job and i you know, i love my news job you know i love the people i work with at hio you know and it's a challenge and it's my choice you have to wake up real early i get up at 2 20 every morning Ugh. And, um, you know, and I know, How? well, <laughs> just do, <laughs> you just do. All right. And, and like I said, I love the people I work with some great people and they gave me a great opportunity there because, you know, there's nothing full time with Wright state, but they allowed me to continue doing Wright state, you know, basketball, you know, which I thought was, you know, very, very generous of them, you know, even though it didn't run on any of their properties because I'm an employee, to be honest, I'm, I'm an employee of Wright state. Okay. I don't work for another radio station. Okay. I'm an employee of Wright state. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to able to do those games, which, you know, you know, I appreciate, but I just want to get, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I think I just try to, I just try to make these games, you know, uh, is, I don't want to say exciting, you know, I mean, I just try to bring, you know, the truth, you know, because let's face it now that our home games, they simulcast as people can see, you know, and that's a fine line too. That's something I'm still working with also, Andrew, you know, because, Sometimes you don't want to say something so obvious they can see it on the screen. But then again, you have to balance that by telling somebody who might just be listening on the radio. Okay. So you have to really be careful about how you go about, you know, describing something when you're doing both. That is an interesting balance that, yeah, I hadn't really considered that. They have to strike. 
with uh, those two two mediums mm-hmm. of it. Because um, without, I mean, if you didn't have it, then you could be obviously as you, it would have to be as visual as you would need to, you know, to exactly. describe what's going on. We couldn't actually literally see it. Right. Um, in, in speaking uh, about calling right state games, we, we talked or we mentioned earlier that you have over two decades experience alone um, calling games for right state university on the radio side. And uh, again, they're also simulcast and most people, that know of you, uh, whether they live in and around the Dayton area or not, know that you are the voice of the right state Raiders on on the radio. But these same people probably then know that one of the biggest differences people call games on the radio versus those who call games on television is, is that those who call games on the radio have to paint a more descriptive picture. Mm-hmm. Um, since the listeners, you know, in that case, are without the visual aid of a TV camera. Other than being more descriptive, though, what are some of the other challenges or differences that you notice from your experience as a broadcaster of doing games on radio uh, than if you were to do them for television? Okay. Uh, the challenges for radio as compared to TV, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, technology has really, really gotten better over the years. Okay. When I first started doing these games, uh, it wasn't unusual every other game or whatever, we'd have issues with our phone lines. <laughs> All right. See, I, I've never had the luxury of having an engineer. You know, somebody was sitting there making sure we were on the air and getting us back on the air. So I had to do that in the back of my mind. And my, you know, I had to keep thinking, All right, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't be concerned about that. Keep calling this game. All right. And that's that's one of that's one area that's always been a challenge, but it's gotten better because of the technology we use now. We have Ethernet lines, we have digital equipment, and for the most part, uh, it's been very very flawless. It's been flawless, nearly flawless, you know. So that's one thing I don't have to be concerned with. However, um, it's always a challenge when you go into a new venue, you know, where you're going to be broadcasting from. Uh, you have to set up in advance. Uh, I had a, an issue a couple years ago. Uh, and I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to tell you where it happened. It happened at Kent State University. All right. And uh, our uh, sports information director, uh, five days in advance, uh, made um, he made uh, the request to make sure that the Ethernet line was ready to go for us. Well, when I got there, it wasn't. And it was a Saturday afternoon. And I asked uh, their sports information director, did you not get that information? And I know she did because I had the email chain. But then she told me, she said, well, I'm going to try to call somebody out. I told her, I said, do you realize you can't call a technician out from the phone company on a Saturday? <laughs> okay, <laughs> So that made it a real challenge because here I am worrying about trying to get on the air. All right. And fortunately, our sports information director had um, one of those uh, digital cards that I was able to put in as an option into my digital equipment, which is great. But you're, you know, you're in a building where a lot of people are using the internet on a Wi-Fi, and I would it, the uh, the signal was choppy. I'm getting texts from people asking me what's going on. So how can I focus doing a game in addition to trying to keep myself on the air? You know, when the situation, you know, uh, really wasn't my fault. Okay, but you can't do that. You you have to kind of keep yourself composed. You know, because once we did get back and things worked a little better in the second half. For some reason, the Wi-Fi was working. We were able to get through that game, but I was like mentally exhausted. So, you know, I mean, those are some of the, those are those challenges that really bother me. But as far as calling the game is concerned, you know, I think you, uh, you get to know your team real well and you should really, and that's all part of preparation. You know, uh, I, I think if you, if you go into a game and you're not prepared, 
uh, people who are listening or watching, they can tell. All right. They can they can tell. So, you you know, you need to learn as much as you can about that other team, because to be honest with you, you know, I, you know, I spend a lot of time with Wright State. You know, I know the coaches, I know the players, you know, so that's not an issue. You know, but uh, it, it's always a challenge to prepare, especially early in the season when you play teams that you've never seen before. But once you get into league play, you kind of have an idea, you know, of what players are on what team who were returning from the year before. But you really have to put a lot, uh, you know, of time into preparing for all this new players and even new coaches who are coming into the league. So to me, you know, that's always the biggest challenge is, you know, making making sure that, you know, you're prepared. You know, and then once you're prepared, you go in there and you just have fun. You enjoy it. You call the game. When when you when you do this preparation, do you have um, you have sheets in front of you? Do you have like note cards? What does what does that look like in terms of reference points, or is it is it all upstairs? Oh, I can't think it's all upstairs, right? I mean, there's probably something you're referencing in part, right? Yeah, yeah I'll I'll take you through that process. When I first started, I used these big ring binders, okay, and I would like basically have to draw lines, and I I copy those obviously and made it make enough for the season, like a little box score type thing with all the names and you know, enough room for when they score buckets and, you know, and also uh, just for some notes on each player. Well, that uh, that morphed into my brother, who is a, like a computer whiz. He's a younger brother of mine up in Michigan. Uh, he actually, uh, on, uh, on on Apple computer, he works with those a lot. He used what was called FileMaker. And he created something, uh, something uh, in my FileMaker where I can just go ahead and type in. I just go to different schools' websites now and get all the information I need and type in the information wherever I need it that I have set up in my file maker. You know, but uh, early on it was difficult because we didn't have uh, stat monitors and, you know, I had to keep my own score. And that's difficult. In high school, I could, in high school games that I did earlier on when I was in the small radio stations, you know, I could keep up with it. But the game, it gets a lot faster, as you well know, when you move up a level and you're mm-hmm. a Division one college basketball. So you got to keep a lot of that information that you prepared for in your head you got to use it appropriately. You have to be over prepared, but you, you got to let the you, you can't get away from describing the game, all right. But you have to have a general knowledge of which players are going to make an impact, and you better have some information on them and be able to get that information, you know, uh, given to your color analyst and make sure that that individual, you know, talks about the same thing and you guys are on the same page, you know, as you go into it. And that's really important, you know. Like I said before, you know, a big challenge early for me was having to work with different people all the time. But, you know, if, if and then you're probably going to ask me here in the future, but I just say I'm really blessed right now to work with somebody who, you know, from the beginning of Wright State basketball, Coach Jim Brown, who has just been unbelievable. I mean, uh, he's a guy that I don't care. I'll, I'll make up, you know, what people may have missed for a few seconds. If he has something to say, I let him say it. Because this is a guy who's revered by everybody with Wright State basketball, and his knowledge is second to none because he's been here from the beginning. I took a, uh, I was going to mention this to you uh, off air, but I think it's it's still relevant because we're talking about Coach Brown. Yeah. Uh, I, I took his uh, basketball education class at Wright State, like his um, his basketball class, mm-hmm. yep. uh, and thoroughly enjoyed that. I just, you know, it's like I didn't know what uh, exactly to expect, but that was that was a fun way of, uh, of me kind of getting introduced to him. And then I, of course, hear him uh, call the games with you on the radio too. And I'm like, uh, that, was, that was just a kind of a great pairing and kind of be able to place, uh, you know, a face with a, 
uh, sound and a, and a voice as well. So um, a lot of respect yeah. for him as, as well. I was going to ask uh, yeah. next, though, do I mean, well, I think we kind of already know the answer. Do you, do you enjoy calling games with a color analyst uh, as opposed to solo, I would assume then, correct? Absolutely. I, I, I do because, you know, Jim has a lot to add. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, I've trained myself to, you know, be a play-by-play individual. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do that for Wright State. And they've been very good to me, you know, but the knowledge that he brings, you know, uh, the heritage that, you know, that he's been with, with this, you know, the history, I should say, that he has with this program, you know, it's second to none. And like you said, you I mean, he goes all the way back and there are fans who were there in the beginning that know him. There are there young people who have gone to his classes that know him. So, you know, having somebody who's known, who has respect, you know, who has credibility, you know, it's fantastic. You know, and I don't want to I don't want to say the other ones I work with, you know, were less. Everybody has something different, you know, that they bring to the table. You know, I, I enjoyed working with Bob Grody. I enjoyed working with John Ramey and Eric Ellis, you know, two former players when I first started. And there's a you know long list of others. I mean, who were really good. Chris Wampler, he was outstanding. He was a player from the late '80s. You know, he worked with me for a while before he moved and uh, went to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, he works at a private company. He doesn't do any broadcasting anymore, as far as I know. Mark Vest, you know, who had who had two sons play at Wright State. You know, he that's why he uh, decided not to do games anymore. You know, he just wanted to sit with his family and watch his two uh, his two boys play at Wright State. You know, so there and there was a lot of other ones also, but. I just have to say, you know, the culmination right now, you know, working up with Coach Brown, he, he, he's just been fantastic. And I'll tell you, I, I don't, I not only do I have fun doing the games with him, I think I even get more enjoyment when we're traveling to games. And he just, he shares all these stories about Wright State basketball history and about the people, you know, the players, coaches, administrators, you know, I just soak it all in and it's great. I just really enjoy it. How long, because you and Coach Brown have, have worked, together uh for a while well how long have you worked together how long have you guys been calling games uh, <laughs> you're gonna ask me that um i want to think it goes back to about oh it's probably been about seven or eight years yeah it's it's uh it wasn't long after um he decided to retire from north Mont high school as uh, the head basketball coach there and so how long does it take or has it taken you i guess because you, you mentioned several different broadcast partners that you've had yeah. oh yeah to to gel with said partner because you know i asked it because like while there are are broadcast pairings both in tv and radio and across you know all sports that have worked together for a while not all of them at least in my opinion even after working together for several seasons or years sound like a team but you guys you guys do you know and and how long did that take for you guys to really kind of i, I don't want to say hit your peak but, re- but really hit that that gel point that mesh point of like we really we're working really together and we're, we're, we're just a, a fine-tuned team i think a lot of it has to do andrew be honest with you it's just there's respect for one another you know, I mean, I have, a, as you can tell, I have the, you know, the utmost respect, you know, for Jim Brown and what he's accomplished, you know, not only as a basketball coach, but, you know, just as a person. And, you know, during the years that I've been involved doing the games with him, I can't tell you how many former players have come up and just grins on their faces, you know, who haven't seen him for a while. And they talk about old stories and how much they love the man, 
you know, and, and that's just great to see. It just shows you the character, you know, that he has, you know, and, uh, and I think, you know, conversely, I think he has, uh, you know, respect for me also. He's been very kind, you know, with his, uh, his appreciation to being able to work with him. And, and I think between the two of us, you know, we just respect each other a lot. And, you know, we both have that same goal. We want to see the Raiders win. We want to see these guys accomplish something good in their lives, you know, and, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> we, you can tell sometimes when the team's not playing well, you know, and Jim doesn't hold back. I mean, he'll tell exactly what's going on. You know, if we're, if we're not on, you know, the ESPN plus at home, I mean, he gives you an honest account of what's going on and what isn't going on. And, um, and I think he deserves to, because, you know, he's, he's coached here, you know, um, he coached for so many years and, uh, you know, he's now been doing the games with me seven or eight years. And uh, I just think I, I have a lot of respect for him to be able to do that because, you know, he he lives and dies. He wants to see them succeed so much, you know, but he's but he has so much credibility that he's not going to, you know, you know, paint a picture and, you know, just kind of, you know, wrote what they call rose colored glasses, you know, see it that way. Yeah, you know, it's not, not going to happen, you know, and, and I respect him for that. And I think a lot of people do. I think. Having lived in the Midwest for most of my life, but I've also lived on the East coast and I'm traveling around to a lot of States. I think, especially in the Midwest, uh, sports fans really appreciate honesty and transparency, right? With, with, especially when you're with your sports takes or when you're calling a game. And especially if you have the knowledge, the history, the acumen to back that up, I think people love that. They attach to that and they identify for it because, especially in national broadcast, it can be, I think it's maybe more, maybe in the last, I don't know, arbitrarily saying in the last five to seven years, it's maybe gone more towards that with social media and that sort of thing. But um, it doesn't always. And so people people like to hear that kind of thing of, of yeah. telling them, straight like what they kind of think about it and again if it comes from a position of uh of knowledge and some authority then people put more stock into it so yeah i i think it's it's just refreshing right it's refreshing to hear that kind of thing yeah we we hope so you know and we we really enjoy it and we were able to spend time and you know talk about you know the upcoming games and he he is he is very very well prepared you know before every game and we get to know the other team, you know, the best we can because, you know, they deserve it too. You know, yeah, I'll admit, you know, I mean, deep down because, you know, we're homers, but we don't try to be. I mean, we will give the other team credit like you talk about, you know, honesty and transparency. I mean, if somebody makes a good play, you know, you know what? We salute them. You know, we, we say, hey, you, you made a good play. I mean, it, it, the Raiders may have played well and, and probably played it as good as they could, but somebody else come up with a big play, you got to give them credit. Getting into that because you so, sometimes this happens when I we do when I do these podcasts I, I have these questions lined up and the yeah. the guest uh, will will kind of uh, not jump ahead because you didn't know I was going to ask it next but just kind of like almost uh, answer the question before I ask it kind of thing but what the heck we'll we'll get into it anyway um, as being the voice of the right state Raiders and you know consider kind of a homer and you're I'm not sure you're going to be more pro right state no question than than not um but with that said how difficult is that for you to be at all critical of those right state teams you cover knowing 
that you know you're conducting these post game uh, interviews. Um, you, you talk with coaches and players, and you know, let's face it, sports fans across all sports and all levels can be sensitive at times to things that are quote unquote not favorable. Um, has any of that ever drawn the ire of a player or a coach? Have, has anyone ever kind of pulled you to the side and hey, said, said like, "Hey, I didn't really appreciate that." You know, no, no but I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I and I I try to let them know this too. I tell I, every coach who's been here, I said, if you have a problem with something that may have happened, and there's only been one coach, and that person uh, called me and addressed me on it, and it turned out to be a misunderstanding. All right, but I've told them, I said, if that ever happened. You let me know. I don't want to hear about it from somebody else, you know, because I'm not perfect. And, you know, sometimes the action gets so hot and heavy, you know, maybe something was said that you may not appreciate, you know, but uh, let's talk it out. But uh, that's only happened one time with one coach. We talked for about, oh, half an hour and uh, we, we got through it and we were fine. And to this day, actually, we're friends. So, you know, I mean, I, that, yeah, I'm not that that worried about that because I, I know Sometimes that might happen, but you know, I think they know deep in their hearts that, you know, we, we, I say myself and Jim, I speaking for him also, you know, we want to see them do well we, we do. And uh, I think for the most part, the coaches we've had here, you know, really, they, they understand that. And, you know, they're not asking us to, you know, just paint a rosy picture all the time, because let's face it, you can see them yelling at uh, the student athletes many times for not doing what they're supposed to do. You know, but we don't sit there. We, we don't just keep harping on that, though. I mean, I, I got to remember, if, if it was professional sports, Andrew, I would probably be more critical because they're getting paid. It's a mm-hmm. profession. But these are student athletes who go to school, who basically, you know, all of their time is either going to school, going to class, practice, you know, playing games, traveling. You know, I don't think a lot of people understand, you know, how difficult, you know, that is. You know, and I've seen it for the 23 years that I've been there. You know, and, and to see what Wright State's accomplished with their grade point average and what they've done, you know, I think it's been remarkable, you know, what they've been able to accomplish. So, yeah, that weighs in, too, where, you know, I might say something. I say, well, what, what good is it to criticize somebody for a play there, you know, knowing that they're trying? I mean, you can see we, we see them play 33, 32 games or whatever it is every year. You know, you, you know, if somebody maybe is not giving the effort, but for the most part, everybody is giving that effort. So, that's where I'm a little bit different. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get on somebody's back. And that goes for an opposition, too. You know, you have to be really careful about what you say, you know, and how you say it. But that's only happened one time. And uh, like I said, you know, that coach and I are still very good friends. Uh, my uh, slight story that I have, because I when I was at Wright State, I, I was the sports editor for The yep. Guardian, and uh-huh. I closely covered – um, the Mike Bradbury led, uh, women's teams that were mm-hmm. obviously excellent with Kim Demings, Ivory James, oh, wow. Taylor yeah. Ringo, the, yeah. that powerhouse that they had. Yes. Um, there was a game and this is not, uh, to be critical of, of uh, coach Bradbury or any of the players or anything, but there was, there was a game that they, they went to play, I think at the time, number three Louisville at the uh, the Yum Center in uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, right. And I think at, I think at the time, because my um, my my sort of partner in crime, my co writer Justin Boggs, um, oh, yeah. oh, Justin, yeah, um, he we traveled we traveled out there and we'd ex- we'd exhausted the the sports department or the 
well, I guess, yeah, the sports department's travel budget. So we did it on our own dime because we wanted to cover the game. We wanted to kind of see it in the big yeah. you know, arena and all that kind of stuff. And I think they lost by 60 plus. And we, we wow. checked, we checked the, uh, the program notes and we confirmed that it was the worst loss in program history. Mm. And I don't remember exactly how, you know, I phrased the lead and I, I how I wrote the story. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, I heard at practice a few days later that they did not appreciate, um, I guess what I, what I wrote. And it's kind of like, this was the worst loss ever because that's what it factually what was it, and yeah. for a team that, you know, was flying high and everything that, that right. for me as, as a young journalist was a little difficult to cover because I, I did keep my distance from, I wasn't, um, well, I wasn't, I guess, employee of the university. I wasn't like a, a buddy yeah. of the team. Right, um, I right. did go to their practices and that sort of thing. Right. But uh, for the most part, you know, because they were winning all the time and winning big, big. Um, yeah. there was a lot of fun stuff to cover. But most of them wanted no part of that post-game interview, although some of them did talk to me, um, Kim being one of them and Coach being the other. And it was, it was kind of a learning experience for me a, a little bit just in terms of how to deal with those situations. And it happened again when they finally made it to the NCAA tournament and lost in the first round to number the second seeded Kentucky team by, again, I think like 65 or something. And Justin had the unfortunate task of going into the locker room and interviewing players. And he said you could hear a pin drop in there. And I asked the players that were at the podium uh, up there as being the only person that was interested in asking Wright State questions things about it. And I was just trying to like do the best I could without, you know, being on this uh, downtrodden emotion that they were at, but it, that's, that's how it was. And it was, it was just, it was a lot different. And I, 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 you know, I, so I learned from the Louisville game, but it, those aren't, those aren't fun things to cover, but it's a side of sports. No, no, you're you're exactly right, and you you had a great education on that, uh, and I, I'm sure you and Justin probably handled it well. And like I said, I know Justin real well; he's a good guy, um, and that's a great experience for you. But let me tell you about an experience I had too, and, and this is what I, I've learned, especially on radio. Um, Wright State was playing; Brad Brownell was the head coach at the time. We went to Sam Houston State. Um, I think he was. Uh, I could tell in the uh, shoot around earlier in the day that uh, he was not happy with his team. All right. And that's normal for any coach. Not a big deal. Well, they went out, a couple guys were sick, uh, a couple guys were hurt, you know, and they just didn't play very well. Well, normally Brad was always great. And to this day, he's a great guy. I have no problem. I never had a problem with Brad right now. And I didn't have a problem with him on this night, but I'm just sharing this with you because we got beat bad by a team that I think they thought they could have beaten on the road. And, uh, he normally comes out within 15 minutes for his post game. And at the time, that's when I was doing games by myself and I didn't have a color analyst. So I, I had to send it back to the studio a few times, you know, for them to give scores and whatever. And I thought he'd never come out. Well, I was almost ready to wrap it up. And next thing I know, I could hear like a bull stomping on the hardwood of the floor. I mean, literally, you know, you know, just charging his way out there. All right. And I thought to myself, all right, I'm not going off the air. I got to talk to him. We got to do this. What am I going to say? All right. So basically, I always give the coaches, you know, the box score. He had the box score. And I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to ask him a pointed question. I'm just going to say, coach, you know, team lost tonight. Um, obviously, you know, it's uh, they didn't play the way you wanted to. Your thoughts. That's all I did. 
I gave him the opportunity to tell me what he wanted to say. It's very good. Very good to let him just, you know, to speak his mind like that. And he, um, and he calmed down and he was very, very professional. But then as he continued to look at the box score, he started to become agitated. <laughs> you can see the cartoon smoke coming out of the ears and everything. Yeah, pretty much. And I thought to myself, all right, we'll, we'll call, we'll, we'll just call it off. And uh, we just went ahead and, uh, and signed off. But, you know, in, in his defense, uh, uh, two years ago, well, this year was a lost year. So last year, what I'm talking about, when Wright State went to the IT and played Clemson, um, Coach Brownell, uh, before the game, you know, when the coaches, you know, shake hands before the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before the game starts, he ran across the floor and came over and shook my hand and Coach Jim Brown's hand and talked to us for probably about, oh, a minute before he went back to his bench. You know, and I thought that was so classy, you know, what he did, you know, and how he respected his time at Wright State. You know, that's why I could say that, you know, you know, go ahead and relate that story because, you know, I have nothing but respect for Brad and always got along with him well. But, you know, I, I might add this also. All the coaches have been great, you know, and Coach Nagy, is, he, when he first came here, you know, and we started doing coaches shows, uh, he, he said it was okay for players, some of the student athletes, to be able to be on every week. And they provide us with two of the student athletes uh, every week for the coaches shows. And he said, listen, he goes, they all have to learn how to handle the media. He says, it's all part of the maturation process, you know, and as a broadcaster, I really appreciated that because, you know, some coaches all around the country, you know, are very careful about, you know, allowing their student athletes to be on. But uh, this group that we've had at Wright State the last few years have been outstanding. I mean, they're very good speakers. Uh, they have great thoughts. Uh, you can see the maturation with guys like Loud and Love. Cole Gentry was excellent. Bill, uh, you know, Billy Wampler was terrific. You know, we had a lot of great guys we were able to have on. And I think that adds a lot because I think player, I mean, I think the the, uh, the fans, you know, who follow this team and are loyal really enjoy that, getting to know these guys who are on each team. And, I, you know, I really appreciate Coach Nagy, you know, allowing that. Well, and the other thing, too, is, and I because I, I went to uh... – a number of those coaches shows when uh, Billy Donlin yeah. did his, and then Coach Bradbury was was after, yes, um, or maybe it was the other way around. Um, right. The, so these things are held for people who don't know. These things are held generally, or have been, maybe continue to be. Correct me if I'm wrong. At, at like restaurants and stuff like yeah, that. Correct. And and they're with you know they're they're with probably some of the closer, uh, more. Um, uh, bigger fans of the team. And uh, I think it's a very welcoming environment for that rather than having a microphone stuffed in your face and then being asked a point in question, you're right. being put on the spot, right? You're like right. It's, it's a good good way to kind of break them in kind of like yeah. sending someone to like triple a for a little while before bringing them up to the majors. Good of- point. Yeah. I, I like that comparison because then, because they were straight up too. And they, uh, they had to talk, they had to talk to the media even after some tough losses this year. And you know, uh, that last, that last game of the year against uh, over at IUPUI in the tournament to UIC, you know, I, I got to give it to uh, to Wampler and I believe Gentry was out there also at the end of the game. You know, they go out to the podium. I mean, I don't. I think because of the COVID was just starting at that time, they actually were interviewed uh, by the media outside of the media room. So, but they were out there talking and they waited and answered every question as you know, as poorly as they played, and they were there. They were stand up and. Uh, I got to give them a lot of credit. I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, and it's never—I can't imagine no. it's uh, ever fun to do that right after. No, 
Not that he lost, um, but definitely part of it. Um, let's talk about uh, kind of like the execution of, of when you're when you're calling a game, a uh, basketball game, for example. How would you describe your play-by-play style? Some people I know stay uh, like right on top of the action. Like I know, so when Paul Keels uh, calls Ohio State basketball, it's almost like it's rapid fire, like micro machines commercial kind of thing, <laughs> where it's like every little thing happening. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just no, it is rapid fire, um, yeah. and some trail the action just a little bit. Um, we kind of allow things to sort of develop. What's your approach for that for people who haven't listened to you before? I like to stay on top of the game, but then again, I want to try to be as conversational as possible. Uh, but I think uh, the inflection of your voice and the speed at which you're covering the game kind of gives, you know, if you're just radio only, you know, gives everybody, you know, an idea of how quickly the game is moving, but also being able to tell them what they need to know. You know, when things have changed true, Andrew, and I don't know, I'd like to get your thoughts on this too. With with, this, with these stat monitors, or not stat monitors, but uh, these uh, the stats you can get instantly uh, by going to you know the website of each team. You know uh, you can you get so much information on there, and and I and I thought to myself, you know what, anybody who's really into stats are bringing that stuff up while they're listening to the game. So why should I just continue to throw out stats when basically what I need to do is tell them what's going on right now? You know, and that and that that's changed over the last five years or so. I mean, people can go, you know, online to the each team's website, you know, and pull up the game, the game cast, you know, and they can see, you know, all these different stats, you know. So I'm only going to point out a stat that's important, you know, like so-and-so has got like 30 points tonight. You know, I'll try to look back during a break and see, you know, if that's, uh, you know, a record for the school or whatever, you know, if it, 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 it meaningful. All right. Context. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just try to I just try to bring them the game and also bring in the color analyst. You know, we're just trying to tell everybody, you know, what is going on right now and give them a feel that they are actually there, you know, watching the game. You know, that's always the biggest challenge. And, you know, I think we do a pretty good job. And there are times when, you know, Jim, I just let him go, you know, and uh, he'll talk, you know, during a free throw, you know, and I'll come back and I'll say, you know, hey, uh, love just made two free throws. Okay, here's the score, you know, and, uh, but if any time a game's moving up and down the floor, you know, he lets me go and I just keep calling the action, making sure I tell everybody who has the ball, you know, if he's driving to the basket or, you know, if there's a screen set and there's an open shot for a three-point shooter, you know, all of those things. We just try to, uh, like I said, just try to put people in the seats and describe what's going on. And then when we have an opportunity, Jim will tell everybody how it happened. And that's... Yeah, that that's such a small. I mean, not a small thing, but it it it's something like you don't think about maybe as the listener. Yeah. But that that those that that is what makes it. It's kind of like when people um look at a, look at a photograph or something. They know they like it, but they don't maybe know why. And it's like it's because it's been framed properly. The rule of thirds has been used. Um, perhaps the background's blurred, and that's visually pleasing. So like yeah. when you're listening to a game. You, you like what you're hearing. Like I, I enjoy uh, Iron Eagle. Um, when I'm yeah, he's to very good. Yeah. Um, and I, I sometimes I reflect as, you know, I, I guess I'm pseudo in the broadcasting by doing this, but uh, I, I think about why and I think about, I just, I notice those little things like that. And of course now you're applying that 
to what you're doing. And that's what I think ultimately makes for the better experience for the fans. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It, it does. I just, I, I just try to listen to it too. Like I'm, I'm on the other end of the speakers, you know, what do I want to hear? You know, and uh, like I said, try to be as conversational and talk to the people out there. You know, I mean, it, we're not it, we're not it. I mean, they want to know what's going on with the game. They want to know what's going on with these players. They want to know, you know, get an idea of the intensity of the game and how it's going. I mean, I, there are some games that I'll be honest with you, I enjoy. I mean, when you get those games with NKU the last couple of years, I mean, I'll, be, I'll admit it, you know, at my age, even right now, I get my adrenaline going. It's fun. It's exciting to be there. And knowing you have to somehow get that across, you know, through the speakers, you know, if it's just radio only, because it was an ESPN game where the announcers came in for ESPN, you know, but still you have to give those people who are listening, casual listeners, Andrew, like I said before, with these, uh, these stats that you can get on games, GameCast, you know, the, the real nerds who get into it, you know, they're looking at all that stuff. So I want to be able to attract the people who are just casual listeners who maybe tune in the game and want to know what's going on. You know, and also have and be able to understand, you know, what we're telling them. And, and it's that's interesting. You bring up that facet of it because that's uh, and not to make this point about my my show or what I'm trying to do, but I guess maybe I'm kind of going that way uh, is to uh, bring in. So I, I had a friend of mine on uh, episode four, I think it was, who plays poker for a living. Right now he lives in New Zealand because wow. playing online poker is pretty much outlawed across the United States or some states have proved it. Maybe it'll become more nationwide as time goes on. But as it stands to get the volume in that he needs to, he needs to play abroad. So he's played Mexico, Canada, Croatia, now New Zealand. And I told him when we were doing the show or before we did the show that, you know, he and I have played quite a bit of poker. He's played a lot more than I have at a much higher level, but we both have an understanding of a game that maybe a lot of casual players or even people who just occasionally catch it on ESPN don't. And so I said, I don't want this to be a conversation about two poker nerds just kind of like talking amongst themselves. I want anyone to be able to listen to this show. So if there's things that you need to describe that may sound very elementary to you, by all means, do it. I said, because I don't want to alienate anyone. Yeah, I agree um, with that. It's the same thing here. Um, when I like just anything, I, I want anyone that that may just catch this, even from another country that's never even heard of Wright State or something like that. Uh, I, I want them to listen to this show, not just people from the Dayton area, um, because it, it, it's just yeah, you have an interesting talent. You're very good at what you do. You've done it for a while. You have this insight and all that kind of stuff. But that just by that itself, not just that it's occurring here. You know, so that's just something I try to do uh, with this podcast as well as keep it cast as wide a net as possible. So I, I, I can certainly uh, understand where you're coming from with that. When you talk about getting excited, yeah, games and, and things that have been memorable. Is there ever been is there a moment of play from something that really stands out by both the way you called it and just what happened on the court? Uh, is there anything that, that kind of like it goes in your announcing uh, broadcasting Mount Rushmore of like, this was a great call by me or just a favorite thing that you, you saw. I mean, you've seen a lot of great games, um, but it doesn't, you know, is there ever a call that, that you made that you're like particularly proud of? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's hard to say because I, I really don't even think about that that often, but 
obviously, you know, if you're in the business and you have an opportunity to call a buzzer beater, you know, that's always exciting. But, you know, if it's a regular season game, you know, that's great, you know, for that game, you know, but I, I think it's about championships. And, uh, the, you know, the Raiders have gone to three uh, NCAA tournaments. And I fortunately have been, you know, here for two of those. And back in 2007, and uh, also just a few years, just a few years ago, uh, when they were able to go down, they lost to Tennessee uh, in uh, in Dallas. Uh, I, I I really have to go back to that 2007 game um, when they beat Butler. Uh, that was one of the most intense games from start to finish uh, that you know I had ever broadcast, and I still have that on CD. And Bob Grody was doing the games with me at the time. And I mean, it, there were a lot of times during that game, there were some big plays, Wright State got down early 10 to two, 10 to two. And they were at home and Butler was playing well. And all of a sudden, uh, who's now the second leading all time score at Wright State, Deshaun Wood basically put that team on his back. I mean, he, he basically, anything he did on the floor, not just scoring, but big rebounds, uh, a defensive play that he made and in the huddle, you know, getting on the guys, you know, but there are other guys too that contributed in that game, but to see the leadership that he showed, you know, in that game. And because you got to remember Wright state at that time had only gone to one NCAA tournament, you know, that was back in 1993 and they lost to Indiana, the number one team in the country. So it had been a long time, you know, there, there had been some, you know, they had flirted with it a few times, but this was their opportunity. They were at home. They were playing Butler. And with a win, they would go to the NCAA tournament. It was Brad Brownell's first year. And uh, he was able to be successful. And to see that kind of performance, I don't think it was just one play, but just being part of all of those plays. And not just Deshaun, but it was his leadership. You know, Drew Burleson, you know, Will Graham, you know, all the guys, Scotty Wilson, you know, on that team. Vaughn Duggins was a freshman. You know, to see everyone contribute. It, it, I think it really changed culture, you know, here at Wright State and showed that, you know, they felt that they belonged to Division One. So I guess to answer your question, it was that game, the entirety of that game, to come back after being down early and making big plays and, you know, showing that they could be a championship team. You know, that, that one I'll always be proud of. Kind of putting uh, a bow on uh, our, our talk here about broadcasting and, and calling basketball games and, and that sort of thing before we get into the really fun rapid fire questions. Um, what would you say are the attributes of an excellent play-by-play announcer? Well, I, I think you have to have, you know, a clear speaking voice. Uh, I think you have to have knowledge. I think you have to be humble. Uh, I think you have to, uh, there are a lot of different things and a lot of it comes through experience and, uh, you have to remember, you got to be a good listener. I know that sounds, you know, contradictory to what you're saying that we're supposed to speak and talk and be able to relate things, but you really have to be a good listener and you have to also, I really believe be the, the game is, the game is not bigger than you are. You're not bigger than the game. You know, I, I said that earlier when we started talking, you know, to be humble. You know, and that's something I was taught. And I really believe that, you know, you have you have a responsibility and you're supposed to bring this game to people, you know, and let them be a part of it. You know, and if you're able to do that and people have enjoyment and they 
are able to, you know, clearly understand what's going on and be a part of the action, you know, then I feel that you've accomplished, you know, your job. And so not trying to be this caricature and not trying to make it about yourself, <laughs> just being this, this vehicle, right? That people yeah. are, this is how you're the, the lens in which the game is viewed or the, cone of sound in which the game is being heard through is by is by you and that's that's yeah. how you're, you're painting it but um you just kind of you're bringing people along for the ride that you're very much a part of um yeah. so I, yeah. I think that that's yeah that's that's excellent um and i i you know i know that there's play-by-play announcers out there that always try to cook something you know, it almost sounds like I, you can hear it when they they like have something kind of cooked up the night before for a game, like if it comes down to this, this is what I'm going to say kind of thing. So I can go, yeah, you know, that they're kind of like, and boom goes the dynamite sort of thing. <laughs> that wasn't planned necessarily, but uh, that like their own like signature phrase kind of stuff. It's yeah. I, I, I like your approach is what I'm saying. And so, you know, and it's funny you say that I've come across some people and it's fine. If they want a signature call, like with home runs, you know, I've done right state baseball games too, you know, and, and I said, I'm, I, I'm just not, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And somebody told me you need to do that, you know, and I see a lot of people now, basically they're doing the same thing, you know, saying the same thing. All right. And they get overly excited, but you know what, if that's what they like, that's fine. But you know, that's not the way I operate. You know, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, the players, the coaches, you know, and the institution, you know, the program, you know, and if I could just be a part of that and I'm sincere about that, I mean, I feel great. You know, I, I've had a great ride. Um, so we are now at the portion of the show. We do the rapid fire questions. Um, oh although the pace of it, you, well, <laughs> the pace of it though, is not really okay. rapid fire. And so I gotta, I gotta come up with a better name for this. Cause it's really not rapid fire because I think like the last time I did this, it took 10 minutes to get, <laughs> and it's not to the, like the detriment of, of the guest or anything. It's just like, it's I wanted fine. them to explain things. It's fine. I'm not holding you to a time. What am I going to do? Kick you off the show and end it now <laughs> kind of thing, you know? So yeah. what we were, we're going to do, and I'm going to say this, of course, for everyone listening, because we've already talked about this, is that normally I ask uh, five questions okay. to the expert guests that relate to their expertise. And that is what we're doing here, but they're not really questions. Because you have this voice that we started with, we, we were talking about the golden radio voice. I just want to hear you re- read and react to things. So what okay. we're going to start with All right. All right. is... Uh, a couple of uh, fake radio scripts. Like, so if you're an actor, you can read monologues, that sort of thing, okay. scenes. Uh, these are, I think this is supposed to be 30 seconds, but uh, it's really not much. But of okay. course, it's been a while since I practiced that sort of thing. So I will spit this first one into the chat. Okay. And you can take a couple seconds to just kind of look it over you want, or you can just right. go immediately. And, um, and oh. there you go. <laughs> okay, you know, I, 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 we'll make this fun, all right? So I'm not going to try to look at it, because uh, like when I read news, we have breaking news. Sometimes I don't have a chance to look at you know, what I'm reading. So let's give it a shot here. Okay. Are your visions of sugar plums dancing in your head? Then bring your family to Centennial Hall this Christmas season to experience the splendor of Tchaikovsky's Holiday Ballet, The Nutcracker, featuring the talents of the Royal Dance Academy and the Symphony Orchestra. Be entertained by the magic and power of this classic holiday ballet for one night only, but keep the memories for a lifetime. For advanced tickets, call 
5555 to arrange your seating now. Excellent. Loved it. It's a show I'm attending. I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah. Um, I actually did go to the, uh, the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. I took my, oh, my I mom for it. her. Uh, oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. For her birthday, which is uh, on the 23rd of December. Because yeah. She likes this, this um, short animated film called The Snowman. And what they uh-huh. did is they, they put the, the film on a large screen and they actually played the music themselves. Yeah. Um, so it's just like kind of great uh, Christmas celebration kind of thing. But it was it was a lot of fun. So I've, I've done I've actually gone to those sort of things before. OK, awesome. this this next one. Yeah. Yeah. Bring the energy. All right. Bring the energy. Okay. And and I know you have no shortage of energy. Certainly the dog does not. But I need you. <laughs> I need you to surpass dog energy here on this read. Wow. And and uh, and yeah, let's let just hit us with it. Are you ready for this? Valley View Automotive's got all the hottest SUVs you've been looking for. Enjoy a test drive and the opportunity to drive one of these powerful vehicles off the lot for half the price. Yes, half the price. Now, now's the time to get yourself to Valley View by car, on foot, or even by air to take advantage of this outrageous sale. You'd better get here quickly because the promotion is only going on for 24 hours and the automobiles are leaving the lot faster than you can save four-wheel drive. Valley View Automotive, a dealership you can depend on. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I just it's fun. I can hear that. I can I can imagine that really on on the radio. It's just <laughs> man, so polished. All right, we're going to I got you worked up. We're going to ratchet it down right. uh, okay. just a little right. bit here. Yep. Uh very famous um I'm going to send you a link on this one. Okay. Um, to a website, but the text will be actually much easier to read. Right. Um, so here's the link. All right. Oh. And this is a very famous poem, The Road Not Taken by Mr. Oh, yeah, Robert right. Frost. Okay. All right. So okay. go ahead with that whenever you're right, ready. Without a, this will be a nice challenge. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, Yet knowing how way leads on to Ray, I doubted if I should ever come back. I should be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Excellent. Oh, man, I'm doing it cold. (laughs) (laughs) That was a tongue twister in there. I wasn't totally aware of what what was uh, was the part. Yeah. Yeah. Them really about the same. Yeah. Um, which just shows, I, it, and this is the takeaway, everyone listening to this just shows reading that cold, but you know, I'm sure you've seen it, you've read it before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, um, but just, it, it, it just, it shows how much stuff you've read and how much you've talked on the radio that you can, you can pick something up like that. That I think is like the, really the, the amazing takeaway of this. I would have stumbled all over that sort of thing. That's awesome. I try to find words, even when I'm, you know, reading news, 
uh, try to find words which get people's attention, you know, because it's hard to keep people's attention, you know, and a great writer like Robert Faust, I mean, you look at some of these, you know, you know diverged, you know, you, you have to say that in such a way, then they get an under, you know, get an understanding, you know, what it is, you know, you see diverged in there twice, trodden black, you know, those type of things that really paint a picture. You know, that's what I try to look for when I see things, when I have to read it, to be able to get, you know, the point across and get people's attention. Um, okay. So you don't, as it is now, and correct me if I'm wrong, call football games, correct? No, I called high school football games uh, just before I started Wright State. And I wasn't an employee of Wright State my first couple of years doing games, so I could still do those. Uh, but then I learned because when I became an employee, that meant I could not uh, broadcast games of recruitable athletes. So high school football was a no-no. But uh, I was able to, uh, before I came to Wright State, I was able to do some games on uh, the local cable, on television, as well as on the radio. Well, Chris, let me ask you this then. Are you an Ohio State Buckeyes fan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I'd say so. If you had to ask me that, I, yeah, I am. All right. Well, then you would have fun with this next one. Okay. As I'm sure you've seen it before. All right. Um, and go ahead and describe what is happening in this play. Oh, my goodness. Here we got here. Let me bring it up. YouTube. Oh, my. National championship is on the line right now. It's fourth down for the Miami Hurricanes. Ohio State is leading by a touchdown. It is fourth and goal. The Hurricanes are knocking on the door. The Ohio State defense is ready, set. Oh, he's pressured the quarterback. Throws the ball into the end zone. It's knocked away. And the Buckeyes hold on, and they're national champions. <laughs> Loved it. Um, very memorable game, of course. Ohio State-Miami National Championship 2002. Um, double overtime. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, I thought you'd have fun with that one. Um, I would. You know, I got to say this. You know where I was when that happened? Where were we, you? It was the night before a game we played in Chicago against UIC. <laughs> wow. We were, yeah, so, you know, I'm preparing for the game by watching that football game at the same time. Man, so I got you <laughs> extra amped up then watching that. How you sleep. Yeah, yeah, it was. It went a long time. Yeah, I remember that game. All right, so this last one. Yeah. This last one's a little unusual, but, uh, you know. You're a consummate pro, so All right, let's see. Just do what you can with it. Describe the action. That's what we're. That's what we're looking for here. We're seeing a man jump high above that table and into some trash cans. It's amazing, an amazing act of athleticism. This man came running into this room. He jumped well over that table and into these trash cans. Folks, do not try this at home. <laughs> uh that was a yes a a trash can water bottle dunk i think uh, between the legs too i mean it, it that was, was uh, yeah i didn't see that at the end there okay yeah i like that part at the end i said that's why i said don't try it you know don't try that at home that was uh that was something well uh i'd like to <laughs> I, I, I thought you enjoy that um i like to thank my expert guest, Chris Collins, for agreeing to be on the show, shares wisdom, is, uh, of course, otherworldly voice with us. Chris, thank you for being on. Let's Andrew, thank you. You know, 
Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it really was. Sometimes you just go back and forth with questions and answers, but uh, I like what you're doing here. You know, you know, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you very much. Um, I have the utmost respect for what you, what you do, uh, the level to which you do it, uh, your entire career. Um, but I think the first uh, little side story, the first time that I formally met you was at the 2000, I think it was the 2014 um, uh, basketball luncheon at Wright State. And I was, so at the, at the end, uh, I think the, the women's team kind of basically went second, meaning Coach Bradbury went up there, talked about the, the upcoming yeah. season, that sort of thing. And then uh, I think some of the players spoke. And then they asked if there were any questions. And me being also a shy guy for, well, <laughs> even to, to this day, kind of, um, I was a little hesitant to add, to like raise my hand because, like, you know, I was expecting, I you know, someone, I think Tom or, or Tom was there, Tom Archicum was there. Archie, and I think there's, yeah. you know, some other uh, journalists were there. And I don't think anyone was raising their hand immediately. I'm like, oh, I got to be first, don't I? So I did, and I, I asked uh, some questions, and I, I there was one about free throw shooting, which I think was just kind of met with like, yeah, I guess we just got to be better at it, kind of thing. Um, just because it was like, I think the team was shooting like less than maybe in the mid sixties or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just something I wanted to address, and it meant the world that you came up to me, shook my hand, introduced yourself, and said, "I thought you asked some really great questions," because yeah. as an interviewer, even doing this. That's extremely important to me to ask smart, insightful questions that I hope bring great answers and lead to a good show. And yeah. basically, you just don't want to sound dumb up there. <laughs> and so I was like, "Wow, to really, you know, impress someone." Because I kind of heard heard of you at the at the time, but didn't really know everything I, I know, of course, now about you and, and your career and everything. Um, that that just meant everything. So I really appreciated that. Um, I don't know if you recalled that that meeting or not, but um, yeah, that's that's. I just remember that. I was thinking about that just before we we started recording this. That that's actually like kind of like the first time we met each other and um, through basketball, through basketball, right state. So, well, I'm glad you were able to speak up, and I and I do remember that. And uh, you know, it, it's it, you have to you have to tell somebody. You know, when they do something, you know, well, you know, I really believe that. That's the way I was raised. You know, and uh, uh, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, you know, and I can tell by doing this podcast, you know, that you put a lot into this, you know, uh, you're very knowledgeable and uh, and you make it fun because we got to have fun, especially in today's climate. We, we definitely do. We got dogs barking. We got people dunking <laughs> water bottles, got all sorts of things going on. Um, thank you. Thank you, though, for those. I, I know you mean it and I, 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 mean, I appreciate it 10 times over. Uh, for that, the inter other interesting part of that was, yeah. So for those that that weren't there, which is probably everybody listening to this, um, or don't otherwise know, it was held in the Nutter Center in this. It's like a ballroom kind of thing, where it's a big room, big big yep. room. Yep. And I didn't have a microphone, so I had to project. So it's like not only do I am I the first to go, and I'm kind yeah. of reluctant to go first, and I'm you know a younger guy just kind of cutting my teeth in journalism that sort of thing. Again, don't want to sound stupid. Those are all the things that's like you don't want to have to uh, express your voice or project it to the back end of the room. But that's what they always say in theater, right? Like, you know, to project to the back row kind of thing. 
Right. Well, that's where they were sitting, basically, is the complete opposite end. So I had to. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, if I'm going to really- if I'm going to go down this shit, this is the one I'm going down on. And like, this is I'm going to if I'm going to say something stupid, everyone's going to hear it kind of thing. And of course, you know, it was a very welcoming environment and no one's going to tell me that, that kind of thing. But still, it's like, yeah, shout it for everyone to hear it kind of thing. And um, that it was intimidating. It just was. It's just like, because I knew, again, there's other pros here in the room that are in journalism and broadcasting, that sort of thing. And it's like, among those people, you don't want to look bad in front of the team. You want to sound like you know what you're talking about. You're asking good questions. You've done your research. And same thing like on here, you know, it's just, you want to, you want to come off looking good. And it kind of like, it harkens back to what you're saying about always kind of achieving more reach, striving for that next level. Even at this point in your career, I really identify with that both as a person and through, you know, doing podcasting and that sort of stuff. So it was just, uh, (laughs) it was, it was an intimidating uh, moment, but it was, it was good that I, I'm glad I did it. And Again, it meant the world. He came up to me and, and, and told me that afterwards. So I thank you well, for that. And remember, it was, it was the Barry Room. That's where they held that, you know, over there at the uh, by the athletic office and where they had the luncheon. And I remember that. And I'll be honest with you, every time I do things like that, now they hold it in the Nutter Center when they do this, you know, big banquet before the season. The tip-off classic is what they call it. Uh, I'll be honest with you, my butterflies are going. I'm always nervous, too. I am. I, I am. But I just, you know, try to keep the wits of myself and, you know, again, not make it about me, you know, because I always know it's always about, you know, the coaches and their team and the program. Yes. And I, I that was what I was trying to convey is like, I want to ask good questions yeah. that for, right, we're, we're covering this as a story. So I want to ask good questions that will provide good information for our readers and, um, you know, uh, make for a great article. So that's, that's what I was trying to do too. But uh, yeah. Um, but again, thank you for that. Um, Chris, where can we follow you on social media? Oh, uh, you can follow me on my uh, Twitter account uh, at Chris Collins 381. And I give all my guests on this show the last word in accordance with that. I will give it to you. So you have the last word, Chris, go for it. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, I just want you to please, you know, tell Justin Boggs, I said, hello, I do follow him on uh, Facebook, Instagram and all that. But uh, next time you talk with him, tell him I said, hi, I have a lot of respect for both of you guys. Uh, I just want to say, you know, to uh, those who are listening, you know, you know, college basketball, you know, has changed a lot. Broadcasting has changed a lot. But let's just remember it's just a game. It's just a game, but it uh, also it's a game that involves, you know, young people. It involves people who put their whole life into what they do. So the next time you think about overreacting, you know, think about those things, you know, enjoy it, you know, be loyal. I mean, if you're a fan, you know, be loyal, be supportive, you know, but then again, you know, if you're somebody who expects a lot, you know, and you're going to say what you want to, that's fine. But just remember what I just said in the beginning, you know, remember who these people are, treat everybody the way that you want to be treated. You know, that's, that, that's all I can say, Andrew, you know, and, and I think for the most part, most people I deal with think that way, you know, because uh, let's face it, you know, life is short. You know, and just don't let anybody steal the joy, you know, that may be in your heart, either through your family, you know, uh, your faith or, you know, whatever it is that uh, you place a lot of value in, you know, and uh, that's, you know, that's what I'd like to say. And uh, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, again, I appreciate you uh, finding the time to do this. Uh, And for my expert guest, Chris Collins, I'm your host, Andrew Smith. 
We'll see you next time on Let's Ask an Expert.